Welcome to the Letting the Light In podcast. I'm your host, Camry, Cam Jam, KJP, or Cams, a lover of all of my nicknames and the relationships they're indicative of. Today, I'm sharing a list of things that have been lighting up my week for two reasons. Firstly, I hope some of them light up your week. Food, podcasts, books, TV shows, music, I'll be covering it all. But more importantly, I hope you'll start your own lists of light, becoming mindful of the small gifts. Because, as my girl Ann Voskamp says, when I give thanks for the seemingly microscopic, I make a place for God to grow within me. All right, y'all, back back in the the lists of light. Um, two weeks ago, like I mentioned, um, we, we skipped a week because I had my husband on and he talked about um, a recent career change. So if y'all haven't listened to that one, I would go back to just to listen. Um, it was really fun to record with him. I always go into it not knowing um, how much fun it's going to be. That sounds terrible, but you know, he is my favorite person, so it would make sense that I would love to talk to him. But that was two episodes ago, so y'all will want to catch that one for sure. Um, I've got a list of 10 things for y'all. That seems to kind of be my magic number. So excited to be back with you um, sharing just the ways that I see light during the week and the ways that the Lord is making himself known to me. Okay, number 10, The Pivot Podcast. It's hosted by Andrew Osinga. And um, this this word is it's kind of becoming a buzzword. It's been being thrown around a lot, I feel like, in circles that... I am a part of, and a pivot is essentially um, when you make a change in your life. So if you are an author and you pivot to be a podcaster, or if you are in the corporate world and you pivot to be in ministry, like my husband recently has, it's, it's essentially if you play basketball, you know that when you pivot, it's um, when you keep kind of one foot planted, but you're moving with the other foot. And so um, this is just kind of related into the job sphere. So he hosts and has various people, um, some of them that I've heard of, some of them that I haven't, um, and they just kind of talk about big changes in their life. And it's been really cool to he- hear people process through transition and um, just ways that they were able to make decisions. I think especially us as um, who call ourselves followers of Jesus, I think it's really easy to say, you know, well, should I do this or this? Like, what's God's will? What's right? What's wrong? And um, I specifically love the episode with Ellie Holcomb where she talks about um, one of her friends who helped her process through a big decision. And her friend asked her, you know, like, well, what's the Lord called you to do? And she's like, well, to love him. And she's like, okay, can you do that? She's trying to decide if she's going to be a teacher or um, do music full time. And she's like, okay, can you do that as a teacher? Ellie's like, yes. Can you do that as a musician? Yes. And she goes kind of through five or six um, things that she feels the Lord has called her to do and essentially comes up with the fact that she can do that both as a teacher and as a musician, and so it became more, less of a what's right, what's wrong, and more of a, oh, the Lord's going to be with me in, in both of these things that I choose, and um, and so I think it just has really reframed for me when we change and do things in our lives, um, how one's not necessarily right, one's not wrong, but it's just a pivot, and so the podcast is awesome. I would highly recommend the Pivot Podcast, hosted by Andrew Osinga. Number nine, group exercise classes at the Y. Okay, if you know me, you probably just, if you're driving, you probably just wrecked. If you're walking while you're listening to this, you probably just ran into somebody. This is a big deal, you guys. I am somebody that very much likes control. I love my own routine. I do not like to deviate. I like to do the same thing every single freaking day. And for the longest time, I would not, I would go to the Y every day without fail and would either ride the bike, stationary bike, and do some like abs, push-ups, stuff after, or run on the treadmill every stinking day. Yeah, I know that sounds like hell for some of you, but I, I don't, I don't even know what it was that gave me this wild hair that I was, I was like, one day I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. 
So I looked up the schedule and I was like, okay, I've done Turbo Cake before and I actually really, really liked it when I did it in high school. And I, I just love like um, rhythmic movements like that, kind of the ones that you, you kind of like add on a chunk every A count. And so I was like, okay, I've done Turbo Cake before, I'll start there. So I went to class, loved it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the much, um, I don't even know what word to use, not hated. I, I went to a ton of spin classes in college and... I mean, to say that I, I never really hated the class, I just would look at the clock every 30 seconds and be like, oh my gosh, I cannot make it through it, oh my gosh. And I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say, it, it does not feel great in the female region of where our reproductive parts are, if you know what I mean, um, if you spin every day. And so I was just like, you know what, this is just not for me. But I gave that a go too. Freaking loved it. I told Tay, I came home one day and I was like, I think I'm addicted to spin. First of all, I, I'm go, I go to the 45-minute classes, not the hour. I think that extra fi 15 minutes really makes a, an enormous difference. But I came home, I was like, I think I'm just so addicted to how hard it feels like I worked. And I love just the loud music blasting. And, um, of course, when you take exercise classes, there are probably instructors that you get attached to. And Mindy's my girl at the Y. I just love the pace of her class and how she changes things up so much to where you... I'm not looking at the clock every 15 seconds, so I'm loving, loving group exercise classes at the Y. Okay, number eight, watching Tay Discipline Fosse. So if you are in the child rearing phase, if you want that someday, if you are about to enter it, don't let anybody tell you that discipline starts later, much later than it does. Don't let anybody fool you. We are having to discipline our not even one-year-old. Um, I honestly feel like this started like five or six months where he started to be aware of how he could get his way and when he wanted things, how to get them. Um, and so last week, um, we've kind of been on this interesting schedule where, which I'll actually talk about this later because it's on the list. Um, but his nap schedule has not been as clean cut as it has been. Um, typically he naps from 10 to 12 and then three to five every single day. And just because of different things that we've committed to or different things that we've wanted to be a part of, he hasn't been able to get both of those naps the past couple weeks, um, for, you know, a few days in, in there. And so, um, when he doesn't get this nap though, it can affect his mood later on. And so, um, one of the days last week we're trying to sit down and eat dinner and he's really, really having a hard time being, um, told no, he's trying to get in the dishwasher and we're telling him no, and he's throwing a fit. He's not eating his food. And so Tay just takes him and I just hear him very gently around the corner, just kind of talk to him. Like, we're not going to do this. This is not how we act. When you're ready to join us, then you can. And just his tone and his patience, and, and I know you're probably listening to this thinking like, oh yeah, really, like to a one-year-old, how much can he really understand? And you know, who really knows how much he's understanding? But I think just even having a little sneak peek as to the disciplinarian and the father and um, just the tone that I think that he'll set over our house with our kids, it just has been so cool to watch him do that and really see him shine. So way to go, Tay-Tay. Okay, number seven, visiting a place we used to live. Tay and I used to live in Kansas City, and a week ago, um, we met my mom and brother and dad and pop-up there for a wedding, and I got to see several of my teacher friends that I used to teach with, and I think I included this in, in the list because I think visiting a place that you used to live can be extremely bittersweet, sometimes more bitter, um, sometimes more sweet. And, um, every time I, I drive back to Kansas City, I kind of get this weird feeling where I'm like, man, I am very thankful for where we are now. I love Wichita and I don't want to leave, but that was such a sweet season for Tay and I, um, when we were first married living there, I, I think too, I love to visit because it's a reminder of how much the Lord really provided in friendship and in relationship and in community and 
for Tay and I's marriage when we lived there. And so I think visiting that place and seeing people that I love so much there really reminds me of um, how the Lord has provided for us. So loved visiting Kansas City. Number six, the song Tell Me the Truth by Stephanie Gretzinger. I've mentioned her before. Um, she's featured on one of the early episodes in a song called Sales by Pat Barrett. Check that out if you haven't listened to that one. Um, she's probably my favorite worship leader um, of all time. I discovered her seven or eight years ago. And I just, this song, first of all, her latest al- album, Blackout, is where it's from. And I think when I first listened to this song, um, it really hit me just, just for some of the things that I've been walking through and um, the way that the Lord has been working on my heart lately, just in, in being honest. And spoiler, that's actually number one on my list. But um, this song, I'll play a little part of it for you and then kind of talk about, I actually listened to her on a podcast, talk about why she wrote it and kind of where this song came from. But I just love this song and the lyrics. So here's a little, a little sneak peek. So like I mentioned, I think just the lyrics, the the chorus, tell me the truth, even if it's ugly, even if it hurts me, my heart is open, tell me the truth. Without the self-protection, love can fix what's broken in me and you. It's funny, first hearing it, I think I related it kind of in, in, in that chorus, the Lord speaking to me, like telling him, tell me the truth, tell me the truth about myself, my sin, where I'm at, um, even if it's ugly, even if it's, um, even if it hurts me, my heart's open. I think just having that open stature towards the Lord, really, really wanting him, um, to tell me the truth, you know, to make, to make it clear to me where I stand before him. And and I think the gospel becomes that much sweeter, um, when I am shown kind of the truth about me. However, um, listening to her talk about this song, she actually wrote this song with her very best friend, Amanda Cook, who's another worship leader. And, um, they kind of had, they've been best friends for a long time, but they kind of had this, not a falling out, but an intense friend moment as she described it, where, you know, they're crying and and they start to get defensive, but then they kind of reach this place where they look at each other. They're like, wait, we don't, we don't need to do this. We love each other. We, we can handle the truth. We can tell each other the truth. Um, and so, you know, they, they make up and they're crying and, and she says, Amanda says to her, Hey, can we write, can we write this song? Can we write what just happened? And Stephanie's like, yes. So they wrote this song and, um, I think it's just such a beautiful model for how we can live our lives with the people that we love and that we are loved by, um, where the truth is sometimes extremely hard and um, has the potential to really wound and really hurt other people. But with that foundation of love, with that foundation of forgiveness, and, and when our identity is not at stake, we really can tell people the truth um, about ourselves, about our standing before them. And so um, I just have re- really been encouraged by this song lately, Tell Me the Truth by Stephanie Gretzinger. Number five. Nicolette, Josiah, and Amaya. 
these are friends of our family. Um, I actually met them two years ago when I worked for Urban Young Life part-time. Nicolette's husband, Charles, was on staff with me. And they came over to swim last week, and it just, it was such a joy. Um, her two sweet babies were, they're not babies, but um, babies in my eyes, were loving on my baby, um, playing with him in the pool, walking walking around with him, um, talking to him, trying to keep him consoled. He was kind of a grump, and um, they just were telling him, Nicolette was telling them, he, he, you guys, he doesn't know anything about about these books that you're reading and oh Amaya tell them about your artwork and it just was precious to hear them love on him and then um it gave Nicolette and I, Nicolette and I really an opportunity to catch up and um just for some fellowship and we just talked lately um or we just talked after about how it's so sweet to really be given that gift to um again just be honest with a friend and share where we're at and what the Lord's doing in our hearts and how he's been working in our lives and um, it's even sweeter when her kids are entertaining my child so that I really can sit and listen and be present with her. So I loved, love, love, love being with them and um, look forward to more hangouts in the future. Number four, the Advanced Learning Library. So if you know me at all, you know I freaking love to read, which spoiler alert, that's also on this list. And Wichita in all of its glory um, has an amazing public library system and they actually just built a brand new building downtown called the Advanced Learning Library. It is um, a beauty of an architect structure, um, architectural structure. It is um, high tech. It has an incredible kids room. I mean, with interactive features and amazing books on display just about diversity and um, current events that are happening. And um, I don't know, it's just, it's incredible. And Fossey and I go quite frequently, probably a couple times a week. And it's fun to meet other moms there with kids similar in age because there's kind of this like octagon where you can lock your kid. I mean, that sounds terrible, but it kind of traps your kids where they can't go anywhere. And um, then there's, there's like interactive toys on the walls of the octagon inside. And so again, it's conducive to moms being able to have conversations with our babies being enclosed and where we don't necessarily have to entertain them. And so it's just been so sweet. And then of course, library is my happy place because I come home with at least four books every single time I go. Yes, weekly. That's, I have a problem, but it's a good problem. Okay, number three, reading. Specifically, the books Meet the Frugal Woods by Elizabeth Willard Thames, um, Tell Me More by Kelly Corgan, and Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas. The first book, Meet the Frugal Woods, was, um, kind of a random pick. I saw it displayed on, like, a new, um, nonfiction, and so I just, the cover looked very enticing, and I grabbed it, and it is essentially um, a woman kind of, she actually has a blog called Meet the Frugal Woods, but she's recounting their seven or eight years of saving crazy amounts of money and just truly living frugally and transforming their lifestyle so that they're able to actually live on a homestead in Vermont right now and have, um, like they have self-sustaining income where they're, they're only working because they love their jobs, not because they have to have their income. And so it was just really cool to read their story and... Um, just pick up on little practices that they do and little habits that they built over time where they're just able to save tremendous amounts of money over the year. And, and I've shared this before when I had my friend KK on talking about balling on a budget. I just, in the last year, I think the Lord has really been working on me in um, the way that we spend our money and how we're spending responsibly and even just tiny ways to save money and to honor him with the way that we spend our money. And so reading this book was cool just to see um, ways that people are doing that. This isn't a religious book or, you know, she's not... A believer that I know of, um, but just even the ways that they spend their money, I think were practices that Tay and I could definitely start to implement and see 
money accumulate over time. So it was very good. Highly recommend. I also loved how she acknowledged um, a certain level of privilege that her and her husband have. I think it would be so easy to read this and say, you know, everybody should be able to save money. Like everybody can live this way. And that's, it's really not the case. She acknowledged that her and her husband come from a tremendous amount of privilege where both of their parents were college educated. They were both college educated. They graduated with no student debt. They are both white. They are both heterosexual. And so she just acknowledges a ton of privilege, which I appreciated because I think sometimes when you're talking about bond on a budget or saving money, um, you don't acknowledge just how you're already in a place that a lot of people aren't at. And so I appreciated that from her. Meet the Frugal Woods. Second book, Tell Me More by Kelly Corrigan. Amazing. I think the subtitle is, I already turned it back in or else I'd give y'all more of a, a spiel or more of a specific, I don't think this is accurate what I'm about to say, but I think it's like 10, um, 10 phrases that I'm learning to say more. And, um, so each chapter is titled like, I'm sorry. And in that chapter, she talks about, um, kind of like she uses stories to illustrate what she's learning about saying that and why it's so important to say you're sorry. And one of the chapters is called Tell Me More, where, um, you're not necessarily like trying to fix anybody's problem. You're just saying like, tell me more about it. You know, let me, I'll be a listening ear. And she, she talks about in that chapter specifically how one of her daughters called her and was, you know, having a middle school crisis. And instead of saying like, well, you should just do this, or you shouldn't care about those girls. She just literally was like, uh-huh. And tell me more about that. Why did she do that? And just asking questions instead of being like, you know, like a mom, how we want to, we want to just fix our kids' problems. And so I just, this book is so well written. Um, warning, there is quite a bit of language um, in it. And so if you're looking for something that's super squeaky clean, I would not recommend this book. But I I really, really loved it. This would be one that I would want to come back to and read several times. Um, Tell Me More by Kelly Corgan. Last one, Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas. So Eric Metaxas actually authored one of my um, top three books of all time. It's called Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Spy. And um, it just... It was, I read it when I was in Zambia the summer before my senior year of college, and he just, I mean, it was just a brilliant um, retelling of Bonhoeffer's life, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And so when I saw this Martin Luther book displayed by the same author, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get this. And I would say no matter how much you know about the Reformation, no matter how much you think you know about the Catholic faith, um, the Roman church, Martin Luther in particular, this book is so worth your read. It is fascinating. Um, you know, 10 pages in, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like, I don't even know where Eric Metaxas starts. Like, where do you even start in trying to retell this life and, and gathering data? And um, so it is, I mean, it is brilliant. It is large. I think it's 475 pages, so it's not a short read. But, oh my gosh, if you love history, if you um, are fascinated by the church, if you just love um, a good story, um, I highly recommend Martin Luther by Eric Metaxas. Number two, being honest. Sounds super cliche. Um, I think I've just been changed by this in the past couple weeks um, in really trying to answer the question, how are you, um, very honestly. Um, in various points over the last two weeks, I've been good and I've been not so good. Um, I think I was walking with my friend Morgan actually a couple days ago and I told her I just kind of had to get to this place where I acknowledged like, actually, you know, I'm not okay and you don't need to fix me. Um, you don't need to be concerned, but I think we go through our lives wrongly assuming that we just need to be okay all the time, assuming that everything that we're working on or everything that we have battled in the past um, just needs to be conquered and needs to be fixed. And instead of being like, you know, I am a constant work in progress. Um, and I think for somebody that's so prideful like me, I don't like to have problems that recur. 
I like to conquer things and move on. And so this particular um, struggle that I'm talking about, um, just my, my battle with my body image and being so discontent sometimes in the way that I look, um, I, I think I want to have this conquered. I want to have this fulfilled and I want the Lord to take, um, this, this struggle away from me. I don't want to care about it as much as I do. And, um, I think at various points in my life I have been better. And, and so for the last couple of weeks, just really acknowledging like, actually, you know, I'm not, I'm not okay. I'm not doing as well as, as I've led people to believe that I am. And so, um, I think just being super honest with my husband about it and being honest with my Bible study, um, I led with it one night. I just said, my question was what's helping or hurting your heart. And, um, I think my answer to the question was what's helping is being honest, not only with, um, people that I love, but with the Lord, just saying like, you know, it's funny that I act like and try to pretend like I'm a certain way when you know everything about me, you know, my thoughts before I have them. Um, and it was just cool how my honesty kind of set the stage or opened up for every single one of the women that was there that night to just really share about where they were at. Um, again, one was talking about how she's not a huge fan of her job. And one was saying that, um, you know, marriage is just really hard. And I think when we bottle things up and act like we have everything together and we're okay all the time, it just kind of shuts doors for other people to be able to share where they're at. So being honest has really been refreshing for me lately. Okay, number one, <clears throat> breaking out of routine. I shared a little bit about this earlier when we, when I said that, you know, Fossey hadn't been getting his two, two hour naps a day. And for, I would say for the most part, we try to honor that because he just is a happier and healthier human when um, he gets that sleep. But um, yesterday, actually, we got to go see a great friend of ours get baptized. And Sundays kind of throw us for a loop um, to begin with because our church, the normal one that we go to starts at 10. And that's typically, again, like I said, when he goes down for a nap. So Sundays can just be hard because we're not getting home until, you know, 1130 noon. And then he sleeps from 12 to 2. And then we're like, well, does he get another nap or is that too close to bedtime? Again, if you're not a parent, you're like, okay, this is the most boring, stupid conversation. But, you know, real life when you're a parent. So um, this church that we were going to visiting to see our friend get baptized actually started at 1030. So we're like, oh, man, we are really, really going to be pushing it today. And um, we wanted to go after and celebrate with him and go out to lunch. And again, the whole time during church, I'm thinking like, uh, do we, like, should we really do this? Like, is this being good parents? And, and we went out to lunch after and the sweet little baby, he rallied. He was awesome. Um, we walked around the restaurant and we were entertained and we got to go talk to the man that was playing live music and wave at him and smile at him. Um, and I walked out after the restaurant, um, after we ate with our friends and I was telling Tay, I was like, I just feel like that was such a sweet, um, grace from the Lord to give us that. Um, it would have been so easy to say no. It would have been so easy to say, you know, we need to go on our routine and we need to go home and he needs to nap. And, and I think, um, again, like I said, I think in healthy doses, that is very much what we try to do. Um, but I think to break out of our routine and really trust, um, that the Lord sees and that he knows where our hearts are at and that he will honor that, um, I think was just so sweet. So, um, breaking out of routine, I think it'd be, Again, my personality, I love to do the same thing every stinking day. I love the predictability of it. Um, but I think when when I am um, really following the Spirit and listening to His voice and, and trying to follow where He's leading me, that often leads me out of my routine. And I think I always, always see the Lord show up. And so I would just encourage y'all this week, if there's a place where you can maybe not do something that... Um, you typically do in a week or if you're tempted to say no to something just because it's outside of your normal routine um 
I just would encourage you to say yes and just to see the way that he shows up. So there's my list of 10 for y'all. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble. Um, I hope that y'all start your own list of life. I hope that you are um, just cognizant of the many ways in our lives that he's working and showing himself and, and showing up. Um, and I will talk to y'all soon.